1: I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Bear of Texas, and welcome to another edition of Into the Net FC, reporting live from the same undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome back my good friend and mentor in beautiful Southern California. What's going on, Steve? Steve?
0: Hey, hope everybody had a good weekend. Lots of soccer to talk about from over the weekend. So, where would you like to start with the EPL?
1: Well, I guess I should start off by saying the same thing I've been saying all season: just another week. Well, okay. At this point, should I say should I keep saying surprises or should I say shockers?
0: There are definitely some shockers in there. No question. I
1: mean, <laughs> number one. Newcastle pulls off the win against Everton a 2-0 win on the road
0: it was huge Uh, I mean uh, Steve Bruce has been definitely you know hearing the the chance for his scalp up there in Dyncastle Callum Wilson with a brace Uh, they switched things up today they switched to a 4-4-2 diamond Uh, that was Newcastle's first win in 12 games so, uh, Ancelotti was very disappointed after the game. He just said that his his players just didn't have it, and it was a very very disappointing performance for for Everton. They're still in seventh place, um, but it was it was a chance where they they could have definitely have leapfrogged a couple of teams had they won.
1: Absolutely, but and what rubs Sultan salt into the wound was the fact that the two goals came within the final 20 minutes of the game
0: yeah they fit, finished well uh so huge win for Newcastle um I mean I think luckily for them I think now the, the three bottom teams uh Sheffield United West Brom and Fulham they starting to be a little bit of separation from those bottom three of the rest of the pack but we can get to that in a little bit
1: absolutely and you know the fact that it was so disappointing. You know a six. You know out possessions. You know more passes, better pass accuracy, but they just could not cash it cash it in. You have all those opportunities, but you just can't cash them in, and that's what that's what dooms the team. I mean, it, it's like you've said before: if you have better ball possession, more passes, and the better pack, pass accuracy, if you're unable to cash in, it's ultimately pointless.
0: Yeah, it's it's that infamous most over overrated statistic in soccer.
1: Absolutely, and as as I look at uh, the standings, yeah, Everton dropped down to eighth, and yeah, it, it's changing down in the bo- in the bottom, very bottom. Uh, Sheffield's still stuck in twentieth. West Brom, you know, right at nineteenth, and Fulham still stuck down there. But but number seventeen the team we're going to talk about soon. Brighton really, well, they they really pulled it off somehow. But we're going to get to that soon. But let's get to Crystal Palace and Wolverhampton. Well, I'm definitely over over two because I, I predicted a one one draw.
0: Well, uh, Palace made the most out of their few opportunities. Iberichi uh, Eze gets a goal in the 60th minute, which also happened to be Crystal Palace's first shot on goal in the entire game. And uh, they were able to hang on to the win. Uh, for Wolves, only three points out of a possible last 24. They're one one out of 11 since uh, they've lost Raul Jimenez. I think now they, it's very clear just how much they they miss their Mexican striker. Uh, I mean, he he helped produce so much of that offense, and there was so much great interplay that he had with uh Traore. And um, they're just they're just not a threatening goal. And um, again, they're they're sinking fast. I don't. Again, there's there's such a demarcation from the bottom three. I I still think Wolves will be safe this year but you know but by the same token too if they continue to have this kind of run where you're only getting one win out of 11 games if one of those three were to ever get hot um you know you just you just don't know but right now out of those bottom three i think fulham is probably the most likely that might be able to save their season
1: at this point yeah but just gotta see you know there's still plenty of games left to play but but that's Fulham's goal. You know to stay stay out of the relegation zone, stay in the top flight of England. But now we get to Manchester City and Sheffield. Now I'm not surprised Manchester Manchester City won. I'm just I'm more surprised at the fact that they were only able to get one goal.
0: Yeah, Jesus got a goal in the ninth minute uh, off a of Torres cross. Um, it was their club record, 12th straight win. Last time a team in the EPL had gone 12 wins in a row was Arsenal way back in 2007. So that's been a while. So that's a pretty good run. And you know we've talked about just how much Man City that they'd kind of slipped a little bit to start at the beginning of the year, but now in the last two months they've just been at warp speed. And um, you know they're they're really threatening to to run away with things now, especially. If they're able to go up to Anfield next weekend and get a win at Liverpool, um, they're definitely going to put some distance between themselves and the chasing pack.
1: Absolutely. I mean, so so much for the miscues with the with the absence of Sergio Aguero and Kevin De Bruyne. because so, so far they're two and zero without them in Premier League play. But let's let's keep in mind. I mean, they've played relatively low teams. So I mean, next next week is basically going to be the test. Like, can they? do well without Aguero and De Bruyne so so that remains to be seen
0: no 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 doubt about it um Villa with the 1-0 win um against Southampton uh Barkley with the goal on a really nice feed from Grealish Grealish had himself a game against Southampton super entertaining game uh the the Villa keeper, uh, Emiliano Martinez also he kept Villa in in the game as well. Southampton certainly had some chances, so uh, big win for the villains to be able to go down on the coast and get the away win. So that moves them up to eighth with a game in hand for Dean Smith's side. And interesting other factoid for Aston Villa: they have already at this point, you know, and right now we're February first. They have already won more EPL games at this point of the year than they did the entire last season, which is pretty interesting.
1: It's interesting because they're in ninth place, and you know they're only uh, three points away from you know from the fifth uh, from the fifth spot. So, so there's a bit of hope for Aston Villa, but in Southampton's case, I I could have sworn that three weeks ago they were in the top four. So a case, a case well, to where we say fun while it lasted—that really that really falls in the hands of Southampton.
0: Well, you think about it. Four weeks ago, only seven points separated the top ten teams. City now have a nine points lead with a game in hand over fifth place West Ham United. So a lot has changed in the last four weeks.
1: Yes, indeed, and you know they only trail six points, so. And there's still plenty of uh, to play, so, you know, the ride's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. No question. All right. Now we get to, well, Manchester United and Arsenal. Well, another disappointing result for me, but apparently Manchester United looks still on their side because after this week, they are still in second place.
0: Still in second place. Very tight, very cagey game. Um, at the Emirates with uh, with Arsenal both teams had a couple of chances uh, to go for it Lacazette banged a direct kick off the crossbar in the second half but uh, but it ended up just finishing off a 0-0 draw which sort of saw, put a momentary halt on the, the great form that Arsenal had been showing the previous three weeks As
1: far as Arsenal goes, you know the unbeaten record stays alive, but for, for Manchester United, you know this blows another opportunity because you know, you know it's it's not gonna last forever. You know, they're still in second place, but now with uh, Liverpool, Leicester City, and, and West Ham, you know now uh, coming closer. It's you know the, the the pressure is getting more and more intense, and you know the Red Devils they're gonna have to figure it out. They're gonna have to get their get on top of their game because we're 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 hitting that crucial part of the season, Steve. If you don't start winning, you don't start putting the positive results, it's going to bite you in the ass.
0: Well, Tottenham's case in point, they went down to the South Coast at Brighton today, got beat one zip. Um, Graham Potter, the the Seagulls boss, he felt that this was Brighton's best game by far in the last two years. So um, it was a massive result from them. They cashed in on Trossard's goal. Um, Spurs... Sixth place, uh, six points off top four. You could really tell that they really miss Harry Kane. Um, he has such a dynamic relationship with Saan. And uh, they started Gareth Bale, and Bale really didn't do a whole lot. They subbed him out after the 60th minute. So extremely disappointing game for the Spurs, but for Brighton, trying to stay away from the drop zone was a really huge win for them. And, um, you know, hats off to them. Also, um, if I recall, I believe it was also their first home win of the season of, like, the top three flights of, uh, of English ball. Only Brighton had not won a single home game going into this year. So that duck is finally off their back.
1: And they be the heavyweight to do it, so that's uh, that gives them a lot of pride. That's that gives them something to be proud of. But but I'm a little worried for Tottenham. I mean, it, not only because Harry Kane's out for a couple more weeks, and what I mean by a couple, that usually that usually means at least four, but but now it's probably down to at least three. But but I'm also starting to concern, is is this starting to be the what we were worried about when we got wind that Jose Mourinho was picked to be the successor. Like is this what we were worried about? Like they would start out great, but then things would start going bad, and then then they would dig themselves de- deeper and deeper and deeper.
0: Well, this is their second two loss in a row st- stretch. And if you're if you're trying to compete for those European spots, you know you can't do that too terribly often. Um, another team that had a very disappointing weekend. The team that uh, has had some really good stretches of playing ball this year, Leicester City. uh, Leeds makes the trip down from Yorkshire. They get a 3-1 win over the Foxes. Uh, Bamford with a goal and two assists for the Yorkshiremen. Um, Leicester had gotten the early lead and uh, they had actually been unbeaten in their last seven games. Um, Barnes scored a great goal on an exchange with Madison to put Leicester City up one zip and then that lead lasted all of two minutes before Dallas equalized for Leeds. And uh, this was a game that um, Brendan Rogers, the Northern Irish manager for Leicester City, he had worried in the past that he had said that you can't get into a basketball game with Leeds, with that high octane, high energy way that Leeds plays the game. He was really worried about getting into a track meet with these guys. And, uh, Leeds, they, they finished it off late in the game. So, uh, good win for Bielsla's side, uh, puts them up to 12. And, um, you know, very disappointing result for for the Foxes that are trying to stay in the mix on those, not just the top four spots, but also trying to trying to stay within any type of distance to Man City.
1: And Leicester City losing is really what helped Manchester United I mean, if it wasn't for that loss, Manchester United would probably be... I would say they'd be in fourth right now, but somehow they're still in second. But but your club, Liverpool, is knocking on that door again because they're just one point below. And and speaking of Liverpool, back-to-back 3-1 victories.
0: In London, no in less. In London, yeah. Uh, and, you know, they beat, beat Tottenham on Thursday, 3-1. Uh, they went down to, to West Ham... And, uh, you know, they had actually come into this game, the Hammers had come in with six straight wins in all competitions. So, I mean, they were kind of feeling their oats a little bit. Uh, Mo Salah with a brace, them with a goal. Um, the second goal, I don't know if you had a chance to see any of the goals from the West Ham-Liverpool game. The second goal was an absolute thing of beauty off of a counter from a West Ham corner. And Liverpool came back, 90 yards the other way, Uh, Alexander-Arnold with a really great cross ball that uh, he put into Shakiri, and the Swiss International put just a slide-rolled pass, lobbed it over into the box, Salah took it one touch on the right foot and buried it on the left. It's absolutely a sublime goal. If you haven't seen it, uh, look it up. And, um, you know, Liverpool, with all these games that are kind of accumulating a bit here um of course their their injury woes at back have been well documented but uh they started uh with Origi uh Mane was not able to play because he had a muscle injury so um you know he had to kind of do a little bit of patchwork Jurgen Klopp uh today against West Ham the third goal was also for Liverpool very slick um Oxlade-Chamberlain with a back heel 1-2 with Firmino, and then he squared the ball back for them for probably the easiest goal that the Dutchman will ever score. Um, Thiago Alcantara is looking much better in the midfield for Liverpool. He's definitely looking more comfortable, more settled back there. And um, as far as Jurgen Klopp trying to get any type of defensive help, uh, they made a purchase today getting uh, Ben Davis from Preston North End for, I believe it was 2 million pounds. But uh, they had to do something because they're missing Virgil van Dijk, Matip, Gomez, and now Fabinho's out for a while. So, um, But at any rate, for a team that's been battling injury woes, you know, very, very good statement win for Liverpool. And after a while where they were having trouble finding the back of the net now two games in a row where they've scored three goals against decent opposition
1: things are starting to turn around. and in most solid's case uh well first thing I should say is yes I did actually see the goal and I'm and I love the way you described it because you know when you describe these a fantastic goal, Steve it's just magic so so I, I, I really had to let everybody hear but yeah I, I did see it and and, and you know and that's the most solid that I know so and 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 it's been long overdue since we needed a magical goal from Mo Salah. So, so it's it's good. And I mean, but like you said, it's, it's the defense is the problem. I mean, the scoring is is beginning to balance out, but you know the defense is still under some pressure. But, and you know, with with Van Dyke out and you know so many other guys, and we don't even know when they're going to come back. I and mean, I mean, if I remember correct, uh, Virgil Van Dyke suffered a torn ACL, right?
0: Yeah, here's a toward ACL, you know, I have serious doubts if he's going to get a chance to to play for Liverpool, you know, let alone play for Holland in the the Euros. Uh, One thing, uh, you talk about making an inspired substitution in the second half, um, Klopp took Milner off, and you can tell Milner was not really happy about being, you know, taken out of the game, but he put uh, Curtis Jones in and Jones has immediate impact, gets an assist on Salah's first goal. So just injecting Jones's pace into the game uh, really helped open things up for Liverpool. So it was a very, very inspired substitution by the German.
1: Absolutely, and Liverpool starting to, climb, starting to climb right back up. You know, Like I said, they're right there knocking on the door, and Manchester United doesn't want that door open because Liverpool – Just take it right back, and then it's going to go back to what it's been the last few years, Liverpool versus Manchester City, fighting tooth and nail for the EPL title. (laughs) But Lord knows that Man U wants the title back. So it's been so long since they've had it, and they they want it back. But it's going to be a tough road ahead. But now we get to the final game of this week, Chelsea and Burnley.
0: Much-needed win for Chelsea. Uh, Thomas Tuchel's first game since the German took over after he got the sack at PSG. Um, so Chelsea gets the 2-0 win, uh, two of their Spaniards, uh, ascoleta gets their first goal, and then um, Alonso gets the second goal off a pass from Christian Pulisic. And the the pass from Pulisic was one that came in chest high. It wasn't exactly the best service in the world. But what Alonso did with it next, he chested it down and volleyed it in. It was just a really, really nifty finish by the Spaniard.
1: It certainly was. And I'm taking a look at the starting lineup. And much to my surprise, N'Golo Conte and Christian Pulisic didn't even start this game. I mean, Christian Pulisic came into the game, but you know, Giroud was was on the bench, didn't see any playing time. And and even N'Golo Conte didn't even come into the game, so...
0: But it's good to see, you know, for fans of the U.S. men's national team, it's always good to see the American players do well. So, you know, for Pulisic, number one, to get some playing time for Chelsea. Number two, to get an assist um, and stay healthy, um, the trifecta. So it was really it was a good thing to see.
1: Absolutely. That wraps up Match Day 21. And now we get to the preview for Match Day 22. Well, First off, you know a showdown between two of the teams in the bottom: Sheffield United versus West Brom. <sighs> well, one of them's due for a win, but I'm i I'm just gonna go with a one-one draw.
0: I think Sheffield United is way overdue. I think they're finally due to win win another one. I mean, yes, they did have that have that uh, shock win against Man U the other day, but this is one that you know they. At this point, given how many points the Blades are back, they they desperately need to start getting some wins, and to get wins against teams in the in the relegation fight, like West Brom, I think is is huge for for Sheffield United.
1: Absolutely, and then we get to Arsenal and Wolverhampton. I'm gonna you know not wasting any time. Give me Arsenal.
0: Arsenal's been playing really good. Uh, I think their pace uh, should be just too much for Wolves, and Wolves just seems to have uh, too many doubts right now. Um, It's a team that's really going through a bad spell right now.
1: Absolutely. And then we get to Manchester United and Southampton. This one's tough, because Southampton's known for giving. Man United a lot of trouble, especially at Old Trafford. Southampton's Definitely capable of pulling it off, but but Manchester United now is kind of due for a win after you know suffering that loss to Sheffield United at home and then a frustrating draw at Arsenal uh, in London. I think Manu wins, but but it's not easy. I think it's a two to one win. I
0: think Manu wins. Um, I, I think without terrible amount of difficulty in on this one, um, Newcastle hosting Crystal Palace. Uh, up at St. James's Park. <sighs> Does Newcastle have it within them to do two really good performances in a row? <sighs> this is one I think finishes a 1-1 draw.
1: Yeah, exactly the point you brought up. Yeah, the, the question is, you know, do they have it in them to make it two wins in a row, you know, in, in impressive fashion? I don't want to say yes or no. The the if you want the truth out of me, then my answer is I don't know because it, it remains to be seen. And anything is possible, but yeah. But I think a one-one draw is definitely the most realistic prediction to make. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I'm gonna go with a one-one draw.
0: On Wednesday, Man City goes up to Turf Moor to play Burnley. Burnley, of course, shattered uh, Liverpool's home win streak, uh, not too far far back. I don't think they're going to beat Man City at home. I think Man City is just hit on all cylinders, and um, it'll be curious to see how many of his top-flight players Pep Guardiola is going to rest with the with the, the Liverpool game this coming weekend looming in the horizon. So that'll that'll be interesting. I think the only thing that would help Burnley is if that Man City is overlooking Burnley, but I, I think City gets the win up at Turf more.
1: Absolutely, which now takes us to Fulham and Leicester City. It's not really, you know, wasn't really a good day for Leicester City. Fulham is, is you know, just you know, to stay stay away, you know, stay as far as re- leg- regulation zone as possible. But I think Leicester City pulls it off on the road.
0: I think the Foxes come back their disappointing performance against Leeds, and I think they get the win down in Craven Cottage. So, speaking of said Yorkshireman, uh, Leeds hosting Everton, which has potentially be a very mouth-watering match. Uh, two teams that really like to attack. Uh, they both have some attacking flair. Um, I, Everton can certainly be a very, very fun team to watch, especially, you know, James Rodriguez, if he's really on his game. Um, but... Playing up at Leeds, you know, will Leeds have a, a little bit of a letdown after their shock win in the East Midlands against uh, Leicester? You know, I I don't know. But Bamford is certainly playing very well right now for Leeds. Um, I think Everton actually gets the win in Leeds. I think they, I think they get a 2-1 win on the road in Yorkshire, but I think this will be a really, really entertaining game.
1: I'm gonna go Everton three to two. Okay. It's like you said, you know, it's that kind of game. You know, a very uh, watering game, like you just said. So I'm gonna go three to two.
0: So two teams that wear claret and sky blue in their team colors, Villa and West Ham, uh, playing in the Midlands at Villa Park. Um, this is one where I think I think Villa takes this one
1: over West Ham. Oh, okay. Well, West Ham's certainly been uh, having that mo- having so much momentum, but that momentum was certainly halted by the Reds. Uh, if Aston Villa wins, you know, it, it could be another case. It- just another team in a situation to where, it w- to where it's like it was fun while it lasted. But I'm have to go. I-, I-, I think West Ham certainly has potential, but... I think Aston Villa is certainly capable of of pulling it off, so I'm going to go with Aston Villa.
0: Liverpool hosting Brighton. Um, Again, it'll be interesting to see with the the Manchester City match looming on the weekend, just who is Jurgen Klopp going to rest and who is he going to play. But it's still a very, very important game. I mean, you can't overlook Brighton. Um, I mean, look what happened a couple weeks ago uh, when they lost at home to Burnley. So I think Liverpool should win this one, but uh, you know they they absolutely have have to win it, and uh, hopefully they they don't overlook Brighton with uh, Man City coming up on the weekend.
1: Give me Liverpool, but I hate to uh, bust your balls on this one, but I'm going to go with Liverpool wins one nothing.
0: Okay. Thursday, two London clubs that desperately need wins, uh, Spurs and Chelsea. A lot of intrigue in here, especially given that uh, Jose Mourinho, he started his EPL coaching career at Chelsea, where he had more than a little bit of success. Um, You know, I think right now with Spurs really missing Harry Kane, and it was such a... The spirited display that they put on against Brighton today. Um, I think I think Chelsea can go to Spurs, and I think Chelsea can actually pick up the three points.
1: You know, I absolutely agree with you one hundred percent, yeah. Without Harry Kane around, Chelsea's defense is gonna have a bit of a break, but that defense is still quite unconvincing, but but I think you know, with Chelsea, as long as, you know, if, if they can maintain a grooving rhythm on the offensive attack. If they can score some goals, you know, keep in control of the game. You know, everything like keep, keep everything on their side. You know, on their way. I think Chelsea can certainly pull it off, and and we're we're gonna be in for a very enter- entertaining uh, London showdown.
0: Oh, it should be a good game. It should be a good game.
1: Now we're done with EPL talk, and really, and before we talk, we, we've certainly got to talk about your club, Olympique de Marseille, but there's something i got to say regarding Man U, and that's Donnie Vanderbeek because apparently reports surfaced that he's not happy, and honestly, I don't blame him because since he's been at Old Trafford, we really haven't seen much of him. And you know,
0: Yeah, but by the same token, too, when he's been out on the
1: pitch, he really, he really hasn't shown a whole lot either. He has not, yeah. I think he's he's frustrated at both both himself and with the team. I mean, I understand it's a frustrating situation, but, you know, he's he's young, and I know that Man you, you know, they brought him in for a reason, and obviously, you know, you're a young guy, your first year there, I mean, they're obviously not going to put you on the pitch every day. I mean, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not going to put way too much on your plate and, you know, force all that tremendous pressure on you. You know, he's going to make you go through a learning process, and, and for Donny Van it's a blessing in disguise because he's learning, you know, from the likes of uh, Fernan- uh, Bruno Fernandez and Paul Pogba, and Pogba, who's been, really been on a tear lately. So, so I think you know, for Donny Van in his case, you know, just be a little bit patient. I, I know how bad you want to play. I know you. I know you must be licking your chops every day, but but you'll be okay. He'll be all right. Although Manu's really gonna have to, you know, look into t- give him some time to play. If if I were to take a wild guess, he might get some playing time in the FA Cup. Although I'm not sure, I'm not sure who's who. Manu plays next in the FA Cup, but
0: yeah, I haven't looked at. I to be truly honest with you, I haven't looked at the FA Cup draw. So that's discussion for another day. But uh, but again, when he gets his chances to play, he really hasn't shown much. Yeah, oh, and it's, it's what you know, You're actually. not you're, you're 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 not gonna you're not gonna get penciled in. If you're, if you're not really showing anything, and, you know, he just hasn't. I
1: mean, yeah. In, in his case, like I said, it's frustrating, but, you know, it's frustrating on him that he hasn't been able to do well, and, you know, he obviously wants more playing time so he can make up for it, but, but you know, look, you know, like I said, you know, he's young, he's still learning, as talented as he is, and, you know, it's a learning process, and, and when you're learning so much, you, it comes with the territory. The fact that you go through some frustrating times as you're learning, you know, it's part of the territory, so... Oh, and uh, I just looked it up. Yeah, they play West Ham in the fifth round,
0: so. That's kind of an intriguing matchup, you know, especially, you know, since David Moyes, he had a short, ill-fated uh, career at, at uh, Manchester United. I mean, unfortunately, it wasn't all totally his fault. It's, it's like the old adage in sport, you know, one of the toughest things to do is to replace a legend and, you know, to get the coaching job, you know, right after Sir Alex... That's just that's just a tough thing.
1: Absolutely. All right, but now that I'm with Man U, and we really got to talk about this. And you know, this is really disappointing. But apparently, uh, and the cause of uh, the whole situation apparently caused the uh, the delay of the game between Olympique de Marseille and Stade de Rennes. I mean, over three hundred fans attacked the Marseille training center. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened. Well, yeah, the
0: game. Well, the, well, well, the game was canceled. It didn't just it's yeah, they, they weren't able to do it. And, you know, I'm a Marseille fan. I mean, I go back to way back in the eighties in the early eighties when they, when they really weren't that good. And I was studying in Montpellier. um, And I know that like a lot of Marseille fans, I had my doubts when Mr. McCourt, the former owner of the Dodgers who ran the Dodgers into the toilet, frankly, during his ownership. Uh, when I found out that he had bought uh, my favorite French club, I was just utterly dismayed. And, um, you know, they were able to qualify for the Champions League this year. They didn't play well at all in the Champions League. They were, quite frankly, super disappointing. But, and and yes, Marseille's had a really, really bad January. I mean, really bad. Uh, the results just haven't been there. I mean, like four losses in a row. And I know people are, are angry. They're upset. But do you really think, as a fan, that attacking your team's training site, that, you know, making players afraid for their safety? Who is going to want to play for your club if. If you have a public that has you know, even if it's a fringe, but if you have a fringe that's that violent, you know, people will pass. You know, they don't they don't need that. And you know, unfortunately, there seems to be this this thought process with French fans that they feel like, you know, they can the, that the team belongs to them, so to speak. And um you know, there, there have been cases in the past where, um, at different clubs, where players have been, been threatened or facilities attacked. Not quite to the level of what happened uh, yesterday in Marseille. That was just at a whole other level of craziness. But, um, but you know, it, it's just... It's inexcusable. It's awful. It's counterproductive. Um, you know, it, I mean who is going to go out and and give your best for the team if you feel like, you know, your fan base is a bunch of thugs? And, um, you know, it's just, it's just really, really sad. And I've been, you know, looking on a lot of the different media as far as, you know, French commentary of it and, and commentary by uh, French fans. And, I mean, almost to a one, they all say the same thing, that, you know, yes, we're angry with, the results that the team is getting. Yes, we're upset with the moves that the leadership team has made with uh, Noem, but this is not acceptable. I mean, just the bottom line. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just I don't know what it is. I mean, this is beyond just, you know, Latin passion in soccer. I don't know how much of it is, I think, Part of it, I think people get just really jacked up on social media. Um, I mean, look at what social media did in this country as far as, you know, a bunch of nuts invading the nation's capital. And um, the other part that I I have to wonder, too, uh, just with the whole people being locked down and COVID and people being stuck at home. and uh, I mean, there's a part of me, I think, that people are just absolutely with the pandemic uh, the stresses of being at home, stresses of perhaps losing loved ones or loved ones being sick, losing your jobs because uh, COVID has affected the, con- the the worldwide economy in such a bad way. I I just think it's just the perfect bitch's brew where I think people have just lost their freaking minds.
1: Well, well said, Steve. And. You're absolutely right, and and I, and I looked it up. I, I I was looking for a legitimate reason to why they did this because you know on this show. I want to make sure I get as we get as much information as we can. And the a source from Bleacher Report says that they were obviously the fans were pissed off because of the team's poor results as of late, but it's also because they're unhappy with the club's officials. So so they're obviously tired of how things are played because apparently, like you said. The owner, you know, ran the Dodgers into the into the toilet, and you know, and like you just said, when he took over this club, and there was no doubt that he would obviously lead Olympique de Marseille, you know, down, you know, down there to the toilet. But you know, the whole thing is goddamn ridiculous. You know, and I was looking at it because you know, fans were trying to force away, and I don't know if they did, but from the footage that I saw, Steve, trees were burning. Man, I mean, this is dangerous. I mean, yeah, it's, it's gruesome. It's like it's yeah, it's like a freaking riot scene.
0: Well, actually, it's funny. One of, the, one of the real old-timer Marseille fan had posted uh, in the Marseille paper, in the Fauciant, he had posted a video, and in his video, he's saying, you know, it, to the effect, he said, what the fuck were you hoping to accomplish? What did the trees ever do to you? Why did you have to burn the trees down? You know, why did you have to destroy all this? It makes absolutely no sense, and, um, yeah, if, if you look at the video online, it's just, it's frightening imagery and, um, you know, there's, there, there's no, no good reason. There's no excuse for it. And as, as a Marseille fan, um, it's, it's just a really, really dark day. It's shameful.
1: It is. And I was talk, talking to my mom about this and, and what, what really concerned her is that, you know, she she spoke to me in front. She said, uh, What that means is, what 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 my mom is that there was young young men, young kids there, and you know, and you know, is it worth it? Like, really, like you you want to ruin your life because you're upset about your soccer club? Like, I get it. You know, I'm a sports writer, and I'm a, and I love my my teams. You know, even though majority of my teams are awful and that's painful, but is it worth you know really damaging your reputation to a point where it's unrepairable? You know, you risk your freedom. You know, you even risk your freaking life. You know, that's the hooliganism in soccer. Some soccer fans are willing to stoop to debts that are so low, they, they even get so angry, they actually take another person's life away. I mean, that's happened. That's happened so many times. You know, And it's it's just well, it's so freaking ridiculous.
0: This was something that's just so totally different than the hooliganism thing that, you know, just became, it was so rampant in You know, different countries, but unfortunately, particularly in England in the the 70s and the 80s. And the the awful climax of that was at the Hazel Stadium in Brussels uh, before the Champions Cup final between Juventus and Liverpool, where I forget the exact number, but I think it was like, you know, 30, 30 Juventus fans got killed. And I mean, I mean, for me, that's still as far as with with soccer, you know, that uh, the Hillsborough disaster where 96 Liverpool fans essentially suffocated and were basically blamed by their own deaths by the Yorkshire police and the Thatcher government. So, I mean, for me, those are probably the two. Two darkest incidents that I can think of, as far as involving soccer. Um, mercifully, I don't think anybody got physically hurt. Certainly, nobody got killed yesterday, which was great news. But, uh, but at least as far as being a Marseille fan, you know, it was it was a very very dark day.
1: It certainly was, and I I, I just yeah. The, the, the problem is, you, you know, especially because, you know, this damages the reputation in, in in the French Republic, you know, with the fans just going crazy. But, you know, wasn't there an incident to where, like, I think Liverpool, like, something with the supporters or, or it was another club in Italy. I know th- there was like a major incident to where, like, I think the club was banned or or was regulated or something like that. Not sure. Well, there are
0: a few. It's there's there's been a few incidents where British teams have gone to Italy, and where a couple of different British supporters have gotten killed um, in like some Europa League and um, Champions League matches. There have been, you know, the odd individual fatality, but like in the case of the Hazel Stadium disaster in 1985, that was thirty. That was um, Thirty-nine people who had lost their lives. I just had to quick look that up, but um, but yeah, that was just a whole whole other thing. But it's it's just awful, and um, there's 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 no excuse for it. No matter how bad the your your team ownership or team leadership is, you know, things do not. You don't have the right to destroy things. You don't have the right to threaten people. It's just. You know, it's it's just
1: it's just awful. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the the Hazel Stadium disaster. I mean, I remember actually talking about this before. Yeah, it was the twenty ninth of May, nineteen eighty five, where apparently Juventus fans were escaping from a breach by Liverpool fans. Thirty nine, thirty nine lives were lost. Wow, and over two hundred, over six hundred people were injured, <laughs> and only thirty four people were arrested.
0: <laughs> well, and. This led to English clubs being banned from European competition for I want to say it was like five or six years. English clubs were banned. So um, so I mean there was there was that that ramification, but that was that was really kind of the final straw where the the British government really started, and the police and Scotland Yard, and everybody really started to take, Hooliganism a lot more seriously. You know, it wasn't just you know a bunch of drunk guys, you know, with um, you know beating each other up. I mean, this was you know wholesale. You know, people got killed because of the stampede because they were trying to get away from those English hooligans that were at that game.
1: It's just, it's just absolutely crazy. My and I talked, and when I talked to my dad about this incident before. I asked him if he remembers it. he's like yeah he, he he just says yeah I was with my best friend we, we were we were in going up we watching the inc- yeah watching it go down
0: <laughs> the, the incredible thing
1: is they still went ahead with the match. Yeah, and you and, and Juventus actually won 1-0 nothing.
0: Yeah, Platini got a Plotini scored out a penalty for Juventus to win the game. And um you know that was something that he talked about as just being a really fierce victory because it's like yeah, great, you know, we won this game but 39 people died. No game is worth this. And, you know, a lot of the players, you know, I know there was a lot of talk going back and forth at that time was if they were to cancel the match with all those people there, would that have actually caused worse rioting? And um, it was apparent that the Belgian police were just, in Brussels, they were just totally totally out outmanned they just uh it it was just beyond them and if if the rioting had gotten it it, you can't even hardly say the rioting could get worse but it's possible that the rioting could get worse and that was the thought pattern and that's why i think between the 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 brussels police and the match officials and uefa that's why i think they went ahead with that game but me personally i i still think they should have they should have called it but that was you know, that's a while ago now. That's nineteen
1: eighty-five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last thing I want to say. I mean, exactly. We mentioned it was Misha Platini that scored. I mean, now now I know the main reason why my dad was watching with his friend because, but you know, well, obviously it was it was a, it was a huge game, so he probably would have watched it anyway. But the last thing I'm going to say, though, I, mean, I think the, re, the the problem is, I mean, as far as the FIFA officials go, the, the police, I mean, their hands were tied. Either way, severe consequences were going to happen. So, I mean, it it didn't matter what happened. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, the, the tough decision had to be made, and they made it, you know, and and and, and that's that. Yeah,
1: and, and when we think of soccer, unfortunately, hooliganism is at a point where hooliganism is obviously part of the culture because you know hooligan hooliganism happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. In 1996, after England lost to Germany in the in the semi final, uh, English fans were not were not really happy about it.
0: Yeah, you know, there was. Um, there was a little bit of good old fashioned hooliganism at the Euros uh, in France a few years ago. Um, you know, the rush some Russian hooligans got into it with some English hooligans in Marseille. So it's not; it hasn't totally gone away. The hooliganism thing. I, I do think law enforcement does a better job of handling it than it used to. But, but that said, you know, if you go to certain certain games. You know, you have you, you just have to mind your p's and q's, and you have to be a you you absolutely have to be aware of your surroundings. And um, you know, I'm I mean, I've seen games in um, Lisbon. I saw Benfica play Belenenses. I've seen Marseille play Bordeaux. Uh, I've seen Aston Villa play play Fulham. Um, no real no real incidents of. Uh, of hooliganism that I saw um, the Marseille crowd could be a really, really tough crowd. If if, if you're not playing well, they could really, they could let you know about it, you know, in no, no uncertain terms. It is a very passionate fan base. But, um, but yeah, but yesterday was just, uh, it was a new low. Yeah.
1: I mean, to all the people that did all that damage, you know, all I can say is, well, I hope you are proud of yourself. I hope it was worth it because, this is going to bite you on the ass. If if there's some people that think they've gotten away with it so far, I mean, well, mark my words. You're gonna, you're going to regret what you did. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, I mean the bottom line is grow the fuck up. Seriously. All right. But anyway, Internet FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. I just want to make an announcement. The next time Steve will be here, he'll certainly be here for the next EPL recap. But Steve will be back for a a discussion regarding the venues of the 2026 FIFA World Cup. So be excited about that, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Look forward to talking about it with you, Alex. All
1: right. Thank you very much, Steve, for coming on. I'll have you back next time soon.
0: All righty.